For great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts, the TNT Shop is now open at TNTradio.live. The choice is between normal, Natalie Cheel, or crazy, Rick Munn, on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, uh, it's Tuesday, the 12th of December, 2023. Our Natalie, still, God bless her, has no voice, so she will not be doing the show this morning. I'm feeling a little bit tender myself, so I've been warning the guys in the studio and Gemma, if my screen goes black suddenly and I mute my microphone and disappear, I'm off with my head down the toilet. So keep your fingers crossed, and if you want, you can say a little prayer that I retain the contents of my stomach this morning. So hopefully that hasn't put any of you off if you're sitting eating your breakfast. This is TNT Radio. This is the open line show. Uh, Dee Dee Denslow, the man himself, uh, she'll be standing in for Nat this morning. And fingers crossed, she will be back at her rightful place in her normal station tomorrow morning, all being well. You know, she lost her voice. And this actually happened to me about four months into my TNT career. Uh, I remember waking up one morning and for the first time in my life, I couldn't speak. And if you know me, I'm a man who likes to talk a little bit too much. It was quite bizarre to open my mouth and, you know, be mouthing words and nothing coming out. And you need to give your voice complete rest and don't make the mistake of whispering. Uh, you need to rest your vocal cords 100%. Whispering actually puts more stress on your vocal cords than talking normally. So anyway, that's just a top tip out there for any of you that may be suffering from a bad throat laryngitis. Uh, don't use your voice at all. 100% rest. So we'll keep the situation under review and uh, yeah, wishing that a very speedy recovery. Uh, before Gemma hops on, I have a couple of things I saw yesterday, quite interesting. Um, a chap, maybe none of you know who he is, a chap called David Cho. David Cho, C-H-O-E. David Cho uh, in 2005 visited the then fledgling Facebook headquarters. And Mark Zuckerberg and his little friends, unknown what was going to happen with their company or how big it global it was going to go, they wanted to spice up their offices a little bit. So they got this chap in, he was a graffiti artist, and they said, listen, we want you to do graffiti all over the walls of our office and we'll pay you handsomely for it. They offered him $60,000 to spray paint the walls of the Facebook headquarters or not 0.25% of stock in Facebook back in 2005, 2005. So this chap uh, must have seen something or must have uh, had a feel that this could go somewhere. So he actually uh, forewent the $60,000 payday and he took 0.25% of stock in Facebook as payment for spray painting the walls. And uh, he sold it. Uh, in 2012, when Facebook went public for a cool $200 million. <laughs> so he, he netted himself $200 million for spray painting the walls of uh, Facebook headquarters. Now, I like taking risks, I'm not going to lie, in my life. Sometimes that works out really, really well. It works out really well, and I do very well out of my risk-taking. And other times... It can be an utter unmitigated disaster. So what's the moral of the story here? Sometimes you got to follow your gut. You must have been looking at that 60 grand and he thought, that's a lot of money. That's probably a year's wages. Maybe, I don't know what it was back in 2005. But he said, no, 
I'm going to take the stock in the company. I'm going to roll the dice. And, you know, it might be worth nothing in a few years, but it didn't take him that long to spray paint those walls. He was a graffiti artist anyway. He was probably doing stuff like that in his spare time at night, tagging buildings all around the Facebook headquarters. Anyway, so he rolled the bones, he took the chance, and he ended up 200 million better off. So maybe... Uh, think about things. Don't always play it safe, okay? I'm not telling anyone how to live here, but don't be afraid to take chances sometimes, you know? I think, you know what? I've really got nothing to lose if I do this. Just do it anyway, okay? Just do it. Just take the chance and step out and see what happens. So that's what was happening over in uh, Facebook headquarters. Uh, I've got another story here, actually. I was going to walk it through, but I'll wait until uh, Gemma hops on because this is something we have discussed uh, in her news editorials in the past before we then come to the story that she has highlighted for us. So uh, we're eight, nine minutes into the show and I haven't formatted yet, so it's all good. The prayers must be working, so please don't go away. This is uh, TNT Radio. Your voice heard here. The government needs to step up and do its job. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay. Uh, Gemma is with me this morning. Very happy to see her. And she did an absolutely sterling job yesterday, I must say. She did great at the drop of a hat, stepping in for that, no preparation at all. And she uh, earned her title that we honorarily gave her, at least I did, Gemma, the Cooper Trooper. She really proved her mettle yesterday. Gemma, you were uh, bringing to our attention not so long ago stories about wins with self-service uh, scanning in supermarkets. Uh, some stores are reverting back to man checkouts. There was a few incidences over the weekend uh, where Tesco staff in particular were being very belligerent towards shoppers who had just scanned their, their goods and were about to leave the store. One woman in particular was allegedly assaulted by a Tesco staff member because uh, she wouldn't uh, stop with her trolley and show that she had paid for her goods. So there was a letter here yesterday. Uh, someone put an open letter out to Dear Tesco, as the Sainsbury's, Little, Aldi, Waitrose, Morrison's, and all the other stores that have self-checkouts, you're heading towards an almost exclusively self-checkout system now. The lady checking receipts at the exit is stopping everyone. I did not choose to participate in that nonsense. I had already filled my cart. I had already emptied my cart. I had scanned my items. I refilled my cart again. And so I just skipped the exit line and left. I heard her saying, excuse me, as I kept walking, raised my receipt above my head. You can either trust me to do this job or you can put cashiers back and place like it used to be. I'm not interested in proving I did your job for you. You don't pay me to scan my own shopping. You don't give me staff discount for working for you. And these are jobs that are needed for young and old alike. A lot of people are getting very angry with this now, especially when they're being treated as potential thieves after they're doing the Tesco or Morrison's or Aldi job stuff for them. Do you think we're reaching a tipping point here? I'm starting to see more people back on the tills now uh, when I go into places at night. I uh, don't know what it's like where you are now as this continues to develop. Well, it's certainly a victory there. And uh, I think that letter expresses what many, many people are thinking. You know, how dare you? How dare you infer in front of other people that I'm some kind of criminal or shoplifter? You know, that's that's quite an, a, a really good point to make. You know, you're scanning your own shopping. You're packing your own shopping. You're you're doing everything that the cashier used to do while the corporation mm -hmm. saves, you know, millions of pounds mm -hmm. in wages and sick pay and holiday pay and the pensions that they'd have to pay those cashiers. And then as you leave the shop in good faith, you're hounded as if you're some kind of criminal. And it's interesting 
using these people that are at the uh, the doors of the supermarkets because this has happened also with another big supermarket here in the UK, Sainsbury's. When they first introduced this, the Sainsbury's customers were up in arms and saying, how dare you check my receipt as I'm about to leave? And it's pe- little people who are given a tiny bit of power. We've seen it in the in the scandemic. People are given a tiny little bit of power and they go mad on it, you know, and then tapping people on the shoulder. Have you paid for your shopping? You know, mm-hmm. bugger off to use an expression here in the UK that we people like me use a lot. How dare you? So it's great to see that uh, that letter. Whether or not the corporations listen is another matter because it's not until you actually just do vote with your feet and stop paying that uh, that things really change. Money's the only language that corporations understand. But fair play for that person for expressing an opinion that I'm sure millions hold here in the UK. I certainly do. Uh, good, good. That's good news for a Tuesday. It is. And, you know, don't forget, they're also installing extra uh, facial recognition cameras at the self-scan uh, checkouts right across the board. So uh, there's notices up now, I see, in the local areas that say, this is for your own protection. We're monitoring the tills for your own protection. It's not for my protection. Protection from what? So you would think with the extra layer of security they have there with the facial recognition cameras on the actual self-scanning tills as well, you would have thought this would have done away with the need to be tapped on the shoulder on the way out through the door, but obviously uh, that's not the case. So yeah, interesting how this is developing, a little backlash developing there, I think. Uh, You have a story for us actually this morning uh, to do with escalation uh, in the Middle East here. Uh, There has been an attack on a ship uh, in the Middle East. The tanker has been hit. What's the, what's the, the scoop on this one? Well, this is breaking news that's just happened in the last hour is that the a group of Iranian-backed rebels, the Houthi, um, they've claimed responsibility for an attack on a Norwegian oil and uh, chemical tanker uh, in the Red Sea. And it's just an indication of how things are beginning to ramp up exponentially in the Middle East. Um, the Houthi are one of several groups in the Iran-aligned Axis of Resistance. That's the self-styled uh, title that they've called themselves. They've, it, all these groups have sprung up since October the 7th, and they're, they're all saying here that they will continue uh, to um, bombard ships in the Red Sea until um, Israel allows food and aid into the Gaza Strip. Now, this is interesting because they've, they've come out in the last hour and claimed responsibility. Um, they launched a cruise missile, an anti-tank cruise missile at the ship after the crew, the Norwegian crew failed to respond to warnings uh, and they say they will continue but this is a Norwegian tanker passing through the Red Sea coming from Malaysia heading to the Suez Canal there's no suggestion it had any links with Israel um, and so you know it, it's a, it's going to be a tit for tat if this Houthi group continues to bombard ships which you could regard as having no role in the Middle Eastern war they're just using the the sea as part of a transportation route for trade um, it's only a matter of time before it ramps up because you can't continue to do that um, without retaliation. And what has happened here is that the, the America has sent the USS Mason uh, to assist uh, the crew uh, uh, and the Norwegian tanker. The, the missile attack was launched from Lemon, Yemen. Um, the crew are unhurt, so there's been no casualties in this, um, but it is ramping up a pace. So there's no, as I say, no link at all between the Strinder, which is the name of the Norwegian cruise vis- the Norwegian tanker, sorry, and Israel. But if, of course, if these Houthi groups and other groups in the axis of resistance continue to attack anyone passing through that route, it's not going to make the situation any better but they've come out within the last hour they said yep it was us we're not going to stop until you do what we want so it's almost like a paradox of like more bombing and more violence to stop the violence it doesn't really work does it rick 
No, it doesn't. And you know what? Uh, this is going to sound awful, but I've got pictures of these little terrorists sitting in Yemen with their rocket launchers or waiting to fire a rocket, and they're looking for a, an easy, an easy victim. So they're seeing a Norwegian, a Norwegian tanker sailing past, and thought, "Let's attack the Norwegians. They haven't got any missiles on board." I wouldn't think they would have done that with a, you know, a USS uh, Nimitz class battle cruiser firing a rocket at them. They would have been, uh, you know, blasted into eternity. So I think they're picking an easy target here as well, Gemma. I mean, like, what has Norway ever done to anyone to deserve uh, a rocket attack in the Middle East? But here we have the Norwegians under fire. And of course, this is looked as an act of hostility in an already volatile area. So more people will be drafted in there. And you know what it's like? You get more people involved in a situation. There's more chances that that situation can deteriorate and go from uh, something that could have blown over into something major. And, you know, the up, uptick in tension there in that area in particular is certainly palpable. This is Yemen. We'll have Iran. We'll have, you know, America have cruisers there. China sending warships there. You have what's happening between Israel uh, and Palestine as well. So, yeah, it's not particularly an area that I would want to be at the minute. Uh, certainly a lot of chances there that you could be uh, harmed or stuck or uh, blown up. Well, exactly. And it's exactly what you say about, you know, they wouldn't have uh, taken possibly taken their chances of aiming at a big American warship. Uh, but that's exactly what's been deployed to help out here. So, you know, that's 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 now a part of this uh, equation with what the, the Houthi have done, you know, make make their presence felt. I think that's what this was. They were making their presence felt, um, showing the world stage that, that they are obviously backing uh Hamas and 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 in support of Palestine um but they possibly here pick the wrong target because now America's wading in and saying look you know we're not having this and then that's the last thing you want you know with you know we had the ceasefire vote last Friday you know world leaders are now trying to find a solution um and so acts like this uh, from these groups from the axis of resistance are only once again ramping things up and as I say it's only within the last hour they've stepped out and they've said on the world stage it was absolutely us we are absolutely Absolutely not going to stop doing things like this. So, you know, it, they're almost saying bring it on, aren't they? Mm -hmm. And, and th this ship as well that was attacked, uh, this uh, Norwegian vehicle, the Strinda, it said it had loaded vegetable oil and biofuels in Malaysia and was headed for Venice, Italy, uh, data shows. So, I mean, it's not like it was a hostile uh, vessel that was going into that area to potentially launch an attack on you know one or more countries in the area. It was simply literally doing a delivery from Malaysia to Italy. And all that vegetable oil could have been lost. There could have been a lot of Italians sitting in a lot of pizzerias over the weekend, uh, Gemma, with no pizza uh, because uh, the Houthis uh, decided to rocket a Norwegian ship. Imagine that. That would be something to talk about on a Monday morning, wouldn't it? It certainly would in Italy. Yeah, absolutely would. Or, you know, worst case scenario, the, the oil would have gone into the sea and that would have caused problems for, you know, marine life uh, and pollution and that kind of thing. I do rather wonder what would have happened as well if there had been casualties of this because they would have been ostensibly, as you say, it was traveling through, it was on its way to Italy. It was absolutely nothing to do with the conflict. And if you'd had some fatalities, what would have happened then, you know? So yeah. it, it's, a, it's a very dangerous and uh, um, volatile situation and it isn't going to stop. Yeah, thankfully, as you rightly point out, there was no fatalities here. That would have been the best case scenario anyway. But also, of course, if there had been bad enough having a loss of life in that ship, but then, of course, the knock-on effect that that would have had, it would have cost many, many more lives in terms of collateral damage from any retaliatory strikes. So, uh, thankfully, the crew and the cargo of the Strinda, the Norwegian Strinda, 
carrier ship uh, are okay as per night. Let's hope they make it back to Norway in one piece. So big thanks to you, Jim, for that story. Much appreciated. We'll talk again in the second hour. And brace yourselves. D.D. Denzel is coming in like a Houthi missile and he will be landing in TNT Towers imminently. So don't go away. TNT Radio's Hervoy Morich. Approximately 650,000 Ukrainian men aged 18 to 60 have left Ukraine for Europe since the start of the war. It's a tough spot if your country is being invaded. Uh, that's one thing and you're a, a male and a citizen. Um, but you know, if the war, if it's a globalist war, I, I wouldn't want to participate <laughs> in these banker globalist wars. And most of them just uh, are. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me and I was trying to figure it out and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old, and it's so easy for them to literally be groomed I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. Are you sitting comfortably? Oh, yes, yes. And I'll begin. Even when you're just sitting around, we're rocking the talk. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yeah, I like that little uh, that little slinky sweeper there. Made me just start grooving my shoulder. My left shoulder's giving me a lot of jip at the minute. And I almost started rocking there and causing myself a little pain. But anyway, I recovered myself just in time for my old chum, Darren Denslow. He is back in the hot seat this morning. My co-host for today on Open Line, Dee Dee Denslow. Darren, welcome back. And how is things in Plymouth today? Uh, I was actually looking forward to a nice early morn morning walk this morning, and then I realised, you know, I got told I was coming on, which is great, uh, and it's actually good timing because it's absolutely hammering it down at the moment. We've definitely got a bit of the old uh, climate change here in Plymouth, uh, and I'm sorry to hear about your shoulder. I was just saying we're getting older now, Rick, and uh, and we start to fall apart. Uh, I I've been commenting, I commented on my show this Sunday about how my belly has massively expanded since I stopped smoking uh tobacco uh so that's my main mission i'm already sort of penning my new year's resolutions is to get fit next year rick 
<laughs> I'm going to use that as an excuse for my big belly too, even though I never smoked to begin with, but I'm going to attribute it to a lack of cigarettes in my life. That's why it's not overindulgence and pure good old fashioned greed. But anyway, uh, nice to see you back over here. Believe it or not, it's still completely pitch black dark. Uh, unbelievable. There's no light at all. The sky's really, really dark. It, Looking outside, it's like, you know, four o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. So I'm um, hoping the daylight comes within the next hour anyway. But hey, it's the dark days before Christmas, as they say. But the good news is, Darren, from the 21st of December, the nights begin to get longer again to the tune of two minutes a day right the way up to June of next year. So uh, if we can make it to the 21st of this month, we're going to start seeing a little stretch in the nights. A little positive bit of positivity. I like it. Positivity, yes, positivity. Yeah. Now, you've highlighted a few stories. I've got a few things to talk about as well. There's just this one to kick us off with here. A poll has been uh, conducted concerning uh, lockdowns, masking, etc. because, of course, there's people starting to talk about it again. Hospitals are starting to reintroduce it again in some places. It seems to be on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, some places don't do anything. Other places are really, really strict. So a new poll has suggested that around a fifth of Brits would back the return of COVID measures. Uh, research from the group uh, More in Common polled 2,000 people and asked, could they back some form of COVID measures? So rather than looking at the 20% that allegedly would back it, that also tells us that 80% of people, four in every five people in the UK, would not back a return to COVID measures. So I think that would have been the better slant on this headline. But of course, I think it's caused to generate a little bit of fear. Rather than saying one in five do want it, is it not better to say four in five don't? Uh, yeah, but that would uh, that would give a spin on it that doesn't get a sort of behavioural response that they want from the public that uh, looks at this poll. Uh, yeah, the polling revealed actually it was 45% supported with 60% saying they strongly supported. So 16% is about a one-sixth. Uh, having to wear face masks on public transport with 8% strongly supporting the rule of six. Remember that, Rick? When we were to be put into a special board bubble, a special group, and you are hoping that your friends would have included you to make you feel special, that you were part of their group of six, uh, they will continue to probably push this for as many winters as they can get away with it, hopefully, or hoping that maybe 80% will say, oh, we support lockdown measures. And the question you've got to really ask rick is who are they polling yeah they're polling people who have signed up to be polled and i suspect the people that sign up for uh, gb news polls or um uh, any other of these uh, polling companies, uh, YouGov, for example, notorious for, for trying to uh, bend the minds yeah. of the public. Uh, those people who sign up for those things are quite likely the people who are triple jabbed, quadruple jabbed, whatever they're up to now, and wear masks, and quite like uh, the slavery uh, and uh, the, the captivity that our government puts them in or has been putting them in, you know, because they want to protect and defend the prison uh, that they've helped build. Uh, it's almost Stockholm syndrome, mate. It is. It is. And <clears throat> excuse me. It's interesting uh, the way I, I, I always go by, you know, you, you do the same thing. You go out for a walk. You walk around Plymouth. So you, you read all these stories and these headlines, but then you go out for a walk into the, you know, the general population. You walk down the high street, you walk in the highways and the byways. And the best way to gauge this is have a look at what's happening around you, generally speaking. So you go into the city centre and have a look around. Is it people masked up? Is it people still spraying their hands with hand sanitizers? I must admit, 
I'm seeing absolutely no one taking any of these, you know, legacy precautions that people were drilled into their heads, you know, the social distancing and the hand washing and the mask wearing. I'm not seeing any of it at all where I am. Maybe I'm just lucky, the area that I'm in, but just uh, as a as a grassroots report back from, from Plymouth, are you seeing it when you go into the high street generally or um, is it just once I off, a one-off? I see the odds uh, <laughs> crazy. I mean, I call them crazy, but actually I feel sorry for these people now. Uh, so I see the occasional pe person, usually a young person as well, wearing a mask. Uh, I, I, I often, you know, when I go into the supermarket, I might see someone milling around with a mask. And I always walk past them and say, you know, masks are bad for your health quietly, uh, but they never hear me because uh, it doesn't just stop people from speaking. It doesn't just stop people from communicating outwardly, but it also stops them from accepting messages from any other source than the BBC. Uh, I don't see any uh, remnants really uh, of the COVID era floating around on the streets of Plymouth, Rick. Uh, and long may it stay that way. I suspect that the establishment know that the old pandemic trick, the lockdown trick, the COVID trick, uh, isn't really going to work anymore. And these polls going, oh, a fifth of people support lockdowns. Yeah, a fifth, uh, the 400 people who said yes out of your poll uh, wanted lockdowns. But they are probably the only crazy people out there who do, and they sign up for polls so they can let the world that, that they know uh, that they want to be imprisoned again. <laughs> Yeah, and the other thing is too, I think there's a lot of closet converts to our way of thinking. So they may never actually come out and admit it, but they know, having reflected back on the nonsense, you remember a substantial meal, Michael Gove said you had to buy a scotch egg if you were eating uh, drinking a pint in a, in, in a pub. And if you hadn't got a that. certificate, you could sit outside in the pouring rain to drink your pint and then they built these bubbles you remember they built the bubbles for restaurants outside areas and put heat and it's you know it's just the same as eating inside you're still in close proximity to people so i think a lot of people did uh wake up to this even though they may never come out and say ah it's a load of crap it's all it's all bunkum we were lied to we were duped they'll never admit it but i think there's an awful lot of people darren that now think along the same lines as us they may not admit it but they're part of that Eighty percent of people that won't uh, support any kind of return to this at all. That's just uh, my take on it. Anyway, uh, we've got to take a quick news break. As per right now, when we come back, a few other stories highlighted from the UK we'll dig into. So please don't go in. Of course, leave us your thoughts, opinions, and comments on the live chat TNT Radio Live, and we'll be right back after this news break. Here we go again. All right, let's go. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is back in Washington, demanding more money and weapons from Congress. Ukraine is now threatening to boycott next year's Olympics in Paris after Games bosses gave Russian athletes the green light to compete under a neutral flag. And Israel has been accused of using white phosphorus bombs supplied by Washington to attack a small village in southern Lebanon. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, uh, big thanks to everyone for leaving your thoughts, opinions and comments in the live chat on TNTRadio.live. Uh, you know, there's a topic that keeps cropping up in that live chat from time to time, Darren, and it always brings a wry smile to my face. People uh, going at it in terms of, uh, is the earth flat? 
Is the oh, earth a globe? Are we being lied to? What's at the edge of the ice? Well, listen, listen, I've been thinking about this one myself. I think the best way to make this all go away, let's just agree, okay? Let's just agree that the earth's flat and we've all been lied to. I don't believe it is, but let's agree that it is. And then what are they going to say? Okay, we've been lied to. Now what? The earth's flat. Now what? What the? difference does it make? You know, it doesn't affect the price of milk. It doesn't affect your job prospects. It doesn't affect the roof over your head. It doesn't affect your family. If you have got nothing better to do than try and work out if the earth is flat or not and actually argue about that point incessantly online, I'm sorry to say, but you need to get a bloody life. So that's just my take on it. But of course, you're welcome to your opinions as I'm welcome to mine. But come on, there's much more important things to worry about out there, folks. And let's say you're right. Then what? Okay, it's so what? It's not going to change your life fundamentally. Or am I just overreacting here? Just a little trigger this morning. So uh, I make no apologies for that. Damn it. Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing that sort of boils my blood as a physical scientist or somebody who studied physical science, unfortunately, is the, is the flat earth story. It's clearly a psyop. It's clearly to, to, be, to be used to go, oh, look at all these COVID crazies waving their flat earth sign at their protest. The BBC did plenty of it. And I've got one, just one thing so they can scrap over this on the live chat or wherever people are talking about flat earth. Uh, the moon must be a ball yeah it must be otherwise it would change shape depending on where you look at it on earth it doesn't it's always it's always round or eclipsed so uh, I, there's no explanation for this yeah so that the the moon must be a ball and if the moon is a ball i would suggest that the earth and all the other planets and moons and suns etc are two and there's no way of getting around this i think it's probably the best explanation to, to prove that the earth isn't flat but it doesn't matter because we're all stuck here dealing with satanic pedophiles who are robbing us correct <laughs> correct and you know i often say what if it's sausage roll shaped or what if it's shaped like a walnut world with a little coconut piece on the top it makes absolutely no difference i'm having a chuckle here uh by by the way you know bear with me i'm feeling a little cranky and a little groggy this morning so i'm lashing out a little bit i hit me plain said <laughs> Side said, I said it as a joke. Yeah, I wasn't having a go at you, mate. Some had the ball, some space cadet uh, was spamming the, the chat yesterday, banging, trying to convert oh, me to his oh. way of thinking. Listen, just let's agree to disagree. And it doesn't yeah. matter. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't change anything fundamentally that's going on in your life or my life or anybody else's life. As Darren said, the world is being run by sick, twisted, satanic pedophiles as per right now. That should be our primary point of concern, not the shape or the curvature of the earth or what lies beyond the ice walls you know, the secret areas behind the ice walls that no one can get to. Who cares? I don't even have a passport, right? I can't even leave the UK, let alone go to the ice walls and beyond. And I'm quite happy with that. I'm quite happy with that. As are you, Darren. You're not a frequent flyer either, are you? You're happy to be a no, janitor. No, no. Yep, I'm quite happy to, to be a little homebody in my city yeah. in Plymouth or, or what's left of my city that is Plymouth. Uh, and I didn't realise you didn't have a passport, a man as, uh, as well travelled as you, Rick. Uh, but I suspect Lapster. most of the people who scream and rant and rave mm. trying to convince people that the earth is flat all go on summer holidays to Disneyland or to Australia, etc. Uh, you've been in a plane. I know someone who's an air stewardess and she's convinced the earth is flat and I'm like... 
but you were an air stewardess. You've been traveling all over the world on the plane. Uh, that unfortunately, there's no. no uh, the problem with flat Earth is it's like a mind virus, and once it, you know, it's a bit like the woke mind virus or the COVID mind virus. Once it gets into your brain and infects you, and you start thinking about it, and you start getting presented uh, with the with what's called evidence that the Earth is flat, and it's usually just camera trickery uh, or some other, uh, you know. Uh, type of event that can fool people type of image that can fool people once it's stuck in there you can't stop thinking about it bit like covid bit like the woke stuff uh it's just a mind virus uh get out go and have a look at the horizon on the sea you can see the curvature yeah. Uh, and the other thing is, too, while we're on this subject, because this I think this affects all of us, it's not just, uh, there's so many, uh, Darren, there's so many things that are sent to just like throw a hand grenade into our foxholes. The globalists come along, they throw a hand grenade into your foxhole, they cause destruction, and then they move on and drop one in somewhere else. Okay, so yep. there's so many points of discussion. And listen, by the way, if you believe in either the flat earth or the round earth, it doesn't matter to me. You're you've got your opinions and your views, and you're more than welcome to them. It's the same with the whole thing. Do viruses exist? Have they been isolated? Have they not? See, as per right now, I'm feeling kind of rough. Okay, I feel like I want to puke. I'm a shoulder sore. I don't give a damn if it's caused by a virus. I don't give a damn if it's caused by my butt. I'm just feeling rough, and I want to get better. Okay, so what I'm saying is, there's a lot of things that people are arguing about and trying to prove that they're right and. From my experience, pretty much, and maybe you could attest this too, you can argue until you are blue in the face. It's very rare that you would actually uh, confront anybody uh, about something and actually have them change their mind. So uh, there you go. Anyway, we'll want to move on a little bit from that one and uh, see what is on the plate next. And it's a little bit of tongue in cheek, by the way. I like winding people up too, but I'm trying to get people to keep things into perspective. Uh, you know, there's more important things to be worrying about, Darren, than some of these things that are causing people to have, uh, you know, high blood pressure and, you know, uh, you know, go crazy about. And this is uh, one of them, obviously. So there's another story here uh, that we have highlighted. Uh, let me just have a look. Uh, yeah, you, Ukraine, Russia, peace talks. They're talking about uh, peace talks in January. Uh, I would have thought if there's ever a time to have peace talks, it would be right now. Uh, so apparently uh, in January, they could be getting together to start trying to negotiate peace, which is, of course, what they really should have been doing in January of 2022 or February 22. But that never happened. That was scuppered by the UK and NATO. Uh, so what's the bottom line with this one? Yeah, um, uh, Vladimir Zelensky is doing uh, another one of his uh, sort of rapid world tours. He's out with his begging bowl. Uh, he's pleading for, for more money uh, from the USA. Uh, he's been to South America. He's been recently to visit the uh, president of Uruguay. Uh, and whilst there, he, he has mentioned that he is going to be having talks in January uh, in Switzerland the day before they all meet in Davos for the latest round uh, of the World Economic Forum uh, get-togethers uh, and he is going to be discussing in Switzerland on the 14th of January his peace formula uh, to end the conflict in uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, the reality is it's a bit late for peace talks. Uh, one, uh, there's 500,000 people plus dead and they are dying at the rate of um you know six seven hundred soldiers a day are still dying in ukraine at the moment uh, russia is retaking uh starting to retake land it lost 
as a result of the counter-offensive, all 0.5%, uh, which is what Ukraine managed to retake uh, from that much-vaunted counter-offensive. Um, and uh, the, Russia isn't going to be interested in uh, a peace formula that's being offered by Zelensky uh, and his NATO backers. Uh, it's very, very simple. The only negotiations that are going to happen is whatever Russia wants, because if you don't give what Russia wants, it's just going to take it anyway. Uh, and it's in the position to do that. It's taken on the might of uh, uh, the might of uh, Western powers, NATO and the US and has come out much, much stronger. Uh, the British government are sending some minesweepers uh, over to Ukraine to use to, to bolster its uh, sea strength or its uh, uh, maritime strength uh, in the um, Mediterranean and in the Baltic Sea, etc. Uh, and um, uh, it's not looking good for Zelensky. That's all I can say on the matter. Uh, it looks like the rest of the West is sort of turning its back on, on, on it. Uh, it's focused on the Middle East. And so now Zelensky's crying out for peace. Unfortunately, it's a bit too late for that, I think. Yeah, it is. It is a little bit too late for that. And I think in the next hour, uh, possibly one of the stories that I'm going to cover uh, with Gemma is the fact that uh, he's been dispatched. I think he's over in America right now trying to whip up uh, more funding, yet more funding for this, you know, dead loss war that's happening over in Ukraine, Russia, uh, in the eastern part of Ukraine anyway. So, you know, I just I, I just. The sooner that he is exited off the world stage, the better. However, that happens to be whether he goes voluntarily or he's uh, mar frog marched off by his handlers. I don't know, but that guy is an absolute blight on humanity and has been uh, for the last two years. But then again, Darnie is just a figurehead. You know, it's not him. He's not making any decisions concerning Ukraine. He's just been told to dress up like a little action man and walk around looking serious and you know drumming up funds and generating sympathy for the Ukrainian cause. Uh, and in reality. He's just a little warmonger who is profiting very, very nicely. Thank you very much off the back of all these events that have been going on over there since it's almost two years now. Can you believe that? It'll be two years in February. So uh, I think what we'll do is we'll take a quick break as per right now. And when we come back, I have a few things I'm going to throw your way as well. And also discuss the possibility of a full-on cyber attack because that's been talked about, hasn't materialized yet. But the word on the street is it might not be too far away. So maybe brace yourselves for that when we come back here on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. A few weeks ago, I wrote an article in CFACT about how people completely missed the true meaning of those storms that were blasting the UK three to four weeks ago. While they screamed climate change, climate change, climate change and warming, they were blind to the fact that this was indicating the pattern was going to change and that Europe was going to turned cold and snowy, and a bit earlier than normal. So now they claim everybody is surprised for one, and for two, naturally they're blaming warming. Well guess what, there's a lot of rain going into Western Europe now, and it's quite warm. Wait till you see what's going to be like two to three weeks from now. Now if you say, Joe, how are you telling us this? Why doesn't everybody know? It's because no one bothers looking anymore. Experts are now saying that a sign of a warming world is more snow. Now wait a minute, 25 years ago they said the opposite. And yet when I was in third grade, my dad gave me a weather book because he knew I was into it. It was an entire chapter on why it would snow more if the earth started getting warmer. It means there's more water vapor in the air and even though it warms up in some places, it doesn't warm up enough. So if there's more water vapor and it's still below 32, it's going to snow more. That was taught also 
Solon College back in the 1970s. So here we go again with people coming out with these ideas when they can't explain what's going on because they have absolutely no knowledge of what actually happens with the weather. They don't forecast it. And who do they blame? Warming. This is a scam and a sham. And the more I read about it, the more I try to be nice and look at the other side of the position, the more I realize this has nothing to do with climate or weather. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. When I had my heart event close to four years ago, I was at the gym, thought I deserve a coffee and thought I'll top up with fuel ordered a coffee but while I was pumping fuel I started to get chest pains then it got worse and worse and worse so then I was leaning on the counter thinking yeah something's not quite right so then I went to wait for the coffee and that's when it really really hit and Joy just you know mouthed do you need an ambulance and I remember nodding I wasn't even thinking about a heart attack I just thought something is seriously wrong with me here so when the cardiologist came to see me she informed me that I'd had what they call a widowmaker heart attack bit of a shock when someone says, you know, you nearly died. <laughs> Everybody should be aware of all the symptoms of a heart attack that women can have that aren't typical of the shoulder pain, the right arm pain. I go to the gym, I do yoga, Pilates, I swim, I go on bike rides, and yet I still had a heart attack. You just don't know it could be you. You're with Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, today you're with Darren Denzel and Rick Munn on Open Nine. Hopefully, fingers crossed, Natalie will be back again tomorrow uh, as she nurses her uh, croaky throat and she had a little dose of the lurgy as well last year. So hopefully you're still hearing us here. Darren and I are still connected and we are going to talk a little bit, at least touch a little bit upon uh, the possibility of a large-scale cyber attack next year. Yesterday, we had a story uh, that WEF were going to war game this scenario in 2024, most likely at least some point before 2025. Uh, so that's what they're doing at the minute. They're planning on this the way they did with the uh, COVID scandemic. They war gamed it back in late 2019 into early 2020. Darren, you know, you've had a few outages in the past with the old uh, internet. It's driven you a little bit crazy. Two or three days of that, you're climbing the walls. Let's face it, uh, everything would shut down in the event of a full-on cyber attack. We couldn't access online banking. We couldn't access this TNT for our jobs. People couldn't access the station. So many things would grind a halt. Do you think they're going to give us a fright uh, next year or fire a shot across our bows to make us realise just what might be involved if they did this? Well, we've had a few warm-up uh, at warm-up attacks uh, over the past 12 months. Uh, apparently, there was a cyber attack in the USA yesterday. Uh, a couple of hospitals got hit. Uh, Rumble got taken down. Uh, it was reported in the alternative media sphere. Uh, there was a tweet by Laura Lumen that said there was a Chinese cyber attack today, and barely anyone in the mainstream media reported on it. So we've had a few warning shots, whether it was from China, whether it was from Russia, or from Iran. Who knows? Um, it's probably likely more of a, a homegrown inside job, like you said, well, uh, uh, that war gaming, uh, the response of the public, the response of the institutes that are being affected by these cyber attacks. But listening to Whitney Webb, uh, with uh, the general election 2024 uh, for both here in the UK and in the USA. Uh, she is set, she has saying from her own research that it's highly likely that there will be a widespread, large-scale cyber
cyber attack in 2024. It could be massively disruptive, particularly to the general elections, uh, particularly in the USA. And that when we come back online after the internet's been taken down, uh, they've got all the um, ammunition and tools and the shoehorn that they need to get people to accept things like digital ID, uh, to lose that anonymity online, uh, to identify themselves online and, and start really, really laying the blocks for things like digital ID uh, and, and digital currencies. Um, I am fully expecting that there to be some sort of cyber attack or even a cyber pandemic. It isn't COVID the virus that we need to worry about. Bill Gates has got other viruses up on his sleeves um, that he might want to release uh, onto the public. Uh, and I am now in my mindset, uh, fully preparing for this eventuality, making sure I'm stocked up on food, uh, uh, fungible goods for trading, thing, uh, uh, things that I might need to protect myself with physically, you know, and I'm not saying everyone should rush out and get, um, you know, illicit weapons like guns and stuff but um i would make sure that you are secure in as many ways as possible for 2024 2023 has been fairly fairly uneventful and quiet uh compared to the to the years previous i'm not expecting it to be the same next year from january onwards it's going to go absolutely crazy absolutely crazy on steroids and part of that craziness may well be uh, homegrown attacks uh, on our uh, internet and electronic infrastructure for them to then pass the blame onto someone like china or oh, it was the russians or even iran and as whitney webb says they've got the capabilities now to actually sort of transfer blame or, or create a footprint elsewhere to where the attack originated from so they can say oh iran did it or china did it russia did it when actually it was a cia or mossad or mi6 rick yeah it's uh, interesting darren uh, you know we always like to talk about chess here and you know you don't just go into a game of chess and you know you can't just win straight away i think the quickest way you can win in a game of chess if you're playing someone that doesn't have a clue what they're doing is four moves it's called fool's mate but it's almost impossible to catch anyone out with that that knows what the hell they're doing okay so usually a chess game takes hours and especially if it's being played between people at a high level you know it can drag on four or five maybe six hours every move is strategic but one of the things is you know you're always building up a position you're always building up a position to launch an offense on your opponent's king to to checkmate your opponent's king that's how you win the game of chess and i think darren what this year has been spent doing aside from uh the rather eventful events uh from the october the 7th in the middle east of course with palestine and hamas and israel and the, the ongoing uh, retaliations that israel are doing as a result of that uh, it has been quiet-ish this year Ish. but as you rightly say i think they're building up for next year you know gates made no secret of the fact that he said when the next one does come along they will know all about it and this disease x that's being mooted as well uh, what's it going to be what's it going to look like i don't think it'll be an asymptomatic cold i don't know what they're cooking up i genuinely don't and i hope i'm wrong about all of this darren but i do believe gates when he says uh, the next one they will pay attention to it because they yeah. think it's going to be something horrendous. And let's face it, uh, nothing is out of the question when it comes to these uh, globalist rats. And, and you're talking about how quickly can you win a game of chess? It is mm -hmm. it is four moves. I'm just sort of going through it. I've actually it done it a couple of times. First mm -hmm. time was by accident. And the only way, it doesn't even matter if the person that you're playing mm -hmm. against doesn't know how to play chess. Mm -hmm. If they move their pieces... 
And I think it's like two of the pawns were in front of the king or the queen. Uh, I haven't got a chessboard in front of me to work it all out. I'm trying to do it in my head. But if they move their pieces, their first initial pieces, in a certain way, then it opens themselves up for this very, very quick victory. And so the establishment, I am sure, are trying to maneuver the public into a position so that they're very quickly put into checkmate in 2024 so that they can achieve their aims. And one of them, I suspect, is to prevent Donald Trump from winning the presidency in 2024. Yeah, that's that's part of the game plan as well. And that uh, chess thing, it's called Fool's Mate, and it actually, mm. you, you move a, a pawn, I think it's your king pawn forward, you bring out your bishop, then the queen, yeah. and then queen. the fourth move is you run the queen all the way down right in front of yeah. the opponent's king, Enough. checkmate them because they can't move, and then it's protected by the bishop. Quite an incredible move. Does take people by surprise. I used to play uh, chess for in a school uh, when I was in the school chess club, and we used to play against other schools. And it was always a classic uh, when you caught caught a less experienced uh, opposing school member uh, with fools made uh, very humiliating as well. And by the way, I must hold my hands up here. Uh, I was dubbed a, a terrible move in chess. Was actually named after me called the Mun Maneuver. Uh, we used to be a group of guys that used to meet up at a comic shop every Saturday, and we always had chess boards out. We were always playing chess amongst ourselves and I was notorious for making blunders uh, using the queen and handing away the queen so when anyone else lost the queen in an act of stupidity it was dubbed the mun maneuver so I don't want to come across as some grandmaster type here I'm an amateur but I love the game of chess and I love uh, the strategy behind it I think we could all do well uh, to study it and that's obviously something that we have advocated as well here on TNT uh, too uh, just a quick shout out by the way uh, to all the lovely people in the live chat. A lot of people are enjoying Didi being back on again this morning. Jethro, uh, Fox as well, enjoying the banter. And even Jethro says, yep, these two guys have been at it from the get-go. And Darren, I think, was there from week one whenever I started doing my uh, TNT slot. Uh, strangely, he's always on on a Tuesday, but the first week that he came on was a Thursday, uh, which was way back in January of 2022. So yes, uh, he and I have been yarning and bantering and chatting together since then, and it's easy for me. Uh, I like him, and he's just a, a mate, and we just talk, and that's all we do. It's nothing special, really, is it, Darren? We just talk. The feeling is mutual and it is quite um it's quite amazing to think actually that we've been doing this on tnt radio now uh, uh yapping away about common affairs mm -hmm. about, this, uh, about the stories uh, that the mainstream media don't report on or don't report in the right way for nearly two years mate and uh <laughs> yeah chess chess has made a, a regular feature uh, in our commentary everyone should know how to play chess everyone should if you don't you should go out and learn how to play chess it's quite easy to pick up it's not that complicated but I think there are more possible arrangements of the chessboard. This is an interesting stat. Then there are atoms in the universe. So uh, uh, it's, it is as simple as it is to play. It's incredibly, incredibly complicated. And no two games are ever the same. But you do need to think. Have you ever tried uh, backgammon? I've never played backgammon, but apparently it's equally, uh, you know, strategic. And it looks weird. You've got all these little like checkers and they've got little points little like spiky things on the board yeah. i could never get my hand around backgammon but apparently it's something similar uh, a real deep game of strategy 
Yeah, yeah, backgammon's a good game, and I've only learned how to play that recently, and again, it's incredibly simple. If you just watch people play it, you, you can't really work out what the hell's going on. Uh, but once you understand the rules of backgammon, again, uh, it, it's nowhere near on the level of chess, I don't think. It's a lot simpler, uh, but it does require forward-thinking strategy and, at times, playing a sacrificial lamb just Ooh. like the Mun maneuver where you yes. need the queen. Sometimes that's the best move that you can make. Yeah, unfortunately, but the Mun maneuver was not to improve my position. The Mun maneuver was just an act of complete stupidity and oversight <laughs> on my part. So there was no strategy involved there. It was just the balls up of a move. But anyway, uh, the truth is all coming out here this morning on TNT. There's another story I want to try and uh, cover with you just in the last few minutes that we have. Of course, COP28 is uh, currently wrapping up over in Dubai. COP28 UN climate talks are in jeopardy uh, over a fossil fuel backlash. So, yeah, they can't really seem to agree. Even the Irish uh, Green Minister that's over there at the minute, he's mumbling and grumbling because he said it's not green enough and there's not enough emphasis being placed on phasing out of fossil fuels or hydrocarbons altogether. Uh, it seems to be they can't really agree. They're agreeing to disagree on a lot of these issues. It hasn't seemed to have went as smoothly as maybe they thought it would when they put this thing together. Yeah, uh, I think the biggest problem that they had is that they've uh, they've held this event in Dubai, probably one of the hottest places on the planet at this time of year, while we're all freezing in the Northern Hemisphere. It has a massive, massive uh, carbon footprint in, in the UAE. Uh, and the president of COP28, uh, uh, Sultan Jabbar, uh, has said, oh, here in the UAE, we, we plan to, to increase the amount of fossil fuels that our country produces. We want to be the second largest oil producer uh, on the planet behind Saudi Arabia. Oh, and the climate change science behind fossil fuels and the fact that we need to remove our dependence and stop consuming uh, so much oil, that's all false. Uh, and then all of a sudden, there was quite a, there was a period of fairly uh, a, a silent media uh, on the COP28 uh, because the only reason it was held in Dubai was so they could sell more oil contracts to the people and the people attending uh, this event. Uh, the, uh, the the story coming out right now, and it was reported on the BBC this morning, is that everybody everybody on the planet is unhappy about the text that's come out of COP28 with regards to uh, our reliance on fossil fuels. They're saying it's not strong enough, it's not severe enough, uh, and that they have literally crossed out, we must phase out fossil fuels from this text. Um, it's not been a success. No one's buying climate change. And very much like the trans issue, I think climate change is another issue that the left will die on. They keep pushing it. The harder they push it, the less that people believe it. We could even see these COP28 summits start to fizzle out. But having it in Dubai, uh, and then and, and eating the most luxurious meats on the planet yeah. uh, and, and uh, increase and having a massive carbon footprint for the event. People can see you doing this, can, you nutters. Yeah, they can. <laughs> they can. They're so stupid, aren't they? And I mean, like they, they just can't get rid of the lording it over the plebs mindset. And even what they said, there was a there was a soundbite came out from a WF spokeswoman not so long ago. She said, you know what, the, the COVID narrative is pretty much dead. It's been thrashed to death. People have seen through it. And then she said, the climate narrative is too complicated for the average Joe in the street to grasp, but we can't really, we're bamboozling them too much with science. There's too much conflict, conflicting information coming out. They're not really buying into it. And then she went on to say that uh, they were talking about a water 
some type of water crisis or some kind of water event. And they said, she, we will understand that because no matter who you are in the world, if you go without water for two or three days, you're going to understand that perfectly well. So maybe this climate thing is in its last throws down, much the same way as uh, you know, 20% of people at best want to return to COVID type restrictions. 80% don't. I think the climate thing's running out of steam, so they need to up their game in 2024 uh, to get everybody frightened and compliant again like good little sheep so uh we will not be doing that of course uh we will stand firm here in uh, tnt and of course with yourself and myself so in the meantime darren massive thanks to you for stepping into the breach here this My morning pleasure. as always uh, it was a blast uh, we'll stay in touch and i'll be back after the news with more Gemma cooper and jane black also from northern Ireland. so please don't go away this is tnt radio